This episode contains discussion that some viewers may find disturbing. If you or anybody you know has been affected by the topics that we've discussed today, you can find links to support in our description below. Hi, I'm Anissa. I'm Sophie Hannah. I'm Tatiana. And I am Nushi Rose. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Ethnically Speaking, the show where we discuss issues affecting the UK's highly melanated communities, from pop culture to current affairs and everything in between. We always keep it 100 and today we're discussing women's safety on our streets. As many of you will have heard, on March the 3rd, marketing executive Sarah Everard was walking home alone at night on London's Clapham Common. She never made it home. Days later, her body was found in Kent, miles from where she was last seen, and a policeman is now, has now been arrested on suspicion of murder. But this horrendous incident has given birth to a nationwide conversation about the safety of women on our streets. Across social media, women are coming to their platforms to share their experiences of being made to feel intimidated, catcalled, harassed by men, even assaulted, abused and worse at their hands. These women are calling for reform in the way that we understand this issue. Others are less convinced and say that the way this debate is being framed suggests that all men are perpetrators of crimes against women. They say this is untrue and even discriminatory and have co-opted the hashtag not all men in order to group together and make their stand. I know that I have many times as I've walked home alone felt scared and intimidated by men coming past and kissing their teeth, making sounds or coming towards me in a way that suggests they're not just after a quick hello. And I wonder if you guys have also felt that same sort of fear and intimidation as you've walked around at in the, during the day or the night. I also think that the way this conversation has been framed up until now, um, and I'm sure you guys will agree, has been about women learning to protect themselves from male violence, rather than about men not behaving in a violent way towards women. And that's something I think is slowly changing. But the great thing about this debate, I think, is people are saying there'll finally be a kind of solution. And I wonder if any of us have ideas about what that might be. What does a future look like where women are no longer trapped or intimidated by this fear as they use their own public space and no longer have to feel this way um, at the hands of a fear caused by men? Yes, this is a very sad case. And I, I really feel sad for um, Sarah in this case. Um, I was saddened by the fact that it was a police officer who was not in, on, in duty who committed this, allegedly. So we're just still finalising the details. But I think there's a big conversation about safety of women in, in the streets. So I'm very proud to live here in Nottingham where misogyny is now also classed as a hate crime and we can report um sexual assault or anything that can happen to us as women. And I think the conversation about safety for women on the streets is very directed to women because we are the ones being told, you know, stay on the phone with a friend if you're walking, check in with other people. And looking through the hashtag, not not all men, but all women, I think it's very interesting, the dialogue and the conversations that most women have had in their families about being safe and men are not having these conversations. Now, I'm not a man and I don't, I'm not privy to everything at all, but it is very interesting that we focus more on safety being a female thing. And I don't see many men speaking about this because it doesn't affect them as much. So 
I think we need to look at how can we as per, as personally, how can we as women protect ourselves, but also how can we speak to the men in our lives to make sure that they keep other women safe? So in the case of Sarah, I don't know who, if anyone was around at that time when, you know, she was allegedly taken by someone. So I think we have to look out at, for, as a community to each other and make sure that if we do see something that is questionable on the streets, that we keep an eye on our, on, our, on people, whether they're men or female. I'm really sad for what happened to Sarah, as you said as well. Um, I'm really sad that it had to take it happen to a white woman for us to have these conversations. Because there have been cases of black women recently going missing in the United Kingdom or being um, suspicious deaths. Um, there was a case of Blessing um, Oloshoga, who was found by the seaside. Um, her family was saying that, you know, she had called them like in the middle of the night. She was found hours later. Her Some of her possessions weren't with her. There were some meters down and the police were just like, oh, yeah. It's not suspicious. And I feel like if that had been a white woman like Sarah, it would have been a completely different story. There were two sisters that were killed in North Wembley um, last year um, by a guy in a park. Um, again, didn't even see in the front page of the news because it just seems like it's not as relevant when it's women of colour. So I think that this is a very long overdue conversation that we're having that needs to be had. And... The point is that the UN said that 97% of women in the United Kingdom have said that they have suffered some sort of sexual assault um, or abuse. So that not all men hashtag, I have no time for it. <laughs> I have no time <laughs> for it because you're saying it's not all men, but it's 97% of women. So something's not adding up here. I'm not saying it is all men. I do not believe that all men um, assault or abuse. But if it's not happening to 97% of women, then it's more men that are willing to stand up and say or do anything about it. And men need to be finding a way to talk to their brothers, to be talking to their, their, their work colleagues, to talking to whoever it is that they need to about what it means when a woman says no, what consent is. There's all these conversations because it's like when we talk to ethnic minorities and ask us what needs to be done and put the onus on us to fix racism. This isn't an issue that we created. So men need to start stepping up and thinking about what they can do to help keep women safe. Yeah, I think um, I'm with you about the not all men hashtag I'm not here for. It kind of reminds me of the all lives matter thing. It's like, you don't need to tell us it's not all men. We know it's not all men, but the... It, the reality of the issue is it's a good amount of you if 97% of women this has happened to. And by just coming in with the not all men, you're just disrupting the narrative. And that's not what's most important here. So for me, I just didn't have like time for it whatsoever. I think obviously the case has just been, it's it's been a lot. And, you know, um, this will happen in South London. I'm a South London native. And so it. I will not lie to you, it's been incredibly tense in my neighbourhood, to say for the least. Like, the police, um, has their visibility has increased in the last couple of weeks around us and everything like that. They're, like, everywhere um, around the streets at the moment, which, which you know, I guess is, is fair. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to do whatever. But um, <laughs> it's... It's just made everyone feel really tense right now. Like I went to my sister's house the other day to go pick something up. Um, and 
like I left her house, it was like four, I went at like two and I left at 4 p.m. And she's still like, no, text me when you get home because there's almost this anxiety now. Like, well, she was out at 9 p.m., which isn't even that late. So at this point, it can happen to absolutely anyone at any time. I am saddened that it took it happening to um, a white woman for people to see this, especially where this has been happening or issues that have happened similar to this to women of colour have been so ignored. And that's where the intersectionality of it all hits me because it's like, okay, well, I'm already under threat because I'm a woman, but now I'm under threat and no one's going to care on top of it because I'm a woman of colour. And so it puts you in this weird space where you're kind of like, well, damn, I don't, I, I don't even know what to do or how to operate. And when I was thinking about, well, how do we move on from this situation and move forward? Um, it was a little bit like you said, Sophie, like we didn't create this issue. So I don't really feel like we should be the ones to um, come up with this. But then I did think, you know, specifically for me, just when I'm thinking about the area I live in and the areas that I have lived in, you know, the streets aren't very well lit, you know, so it's like, okay, let's have some better lighting. And personally, for me, as I've said, the police are always calling around the areas in which I live, but they're always calling around in the daytime. And it's like, okay, that's cool to kind of stop and search people in the daytime. But it's nice, it would be nice to have your presence and your visibility during the night because you know a lot of things happen in the dark so why aren't you patrolling the streets then you're patrolling and it's in the daytime so I feel like there's a few things that could be done or maybe some community support officers or something like that that could be elevated um to pay make people feel safer or women who are walking alone at night feel safer however the paradox in that it was it, this was a policeman that committed this so now there's this whole distrust we have with law enforcement so it just adds another layer to this cake which is already just absolutely horrific but I think it all has to start with men and I think the reason why that hashtag started is because I think for a man to admit for a man to go along and say yeah this is wrong there has to be a little bit of admittance maybe that they have played a part in this not that they have maybe have sexually harassed a woman or been violent towards a woman but they've all that they may have been complicit to that other by way through their friends or things that they've seen and I think a lot of people don't want to put their hands up and admit that maybe I stood by and saw something and should have intervened and I didn't or maybe I've gone along or maybe I have done this they don't want to admit that and I think that's where we're getting a little bit of the resistance from. So I agree and um, one thing that really struck me this week so I had a few like male friends reach out to me and basically say that they didn't understand why, again, all this not all men hashtag, why they had to be tarnished um, by this brush. And so I was trying to explain to a lot of them that it wasn't an assault on men, you know, like exactly as like both of you have already said, like this is obviously about the fact that these microaggressions or, small, or what a sort of minority potentially, who knows if it is a minority or not, but presumed minority of men do actions that actually mean that everybody else has to be tarred by it. Um, and that was an odd thing knowing that actually a movement that I would assume would be at the fringes of people I know or I'm connected to um, believe in this thing. But actually, just in terms of, I guess, the people I know, it's actually the majority of men who didn't couldn't understand um, this hashtag or why women are making this into a, an issue um, or why they had to change their behaviour on the street. And so I was talking, another friend I was talking to was saying that they have a morning meeting um, in their company. And the debate that day, this was a few days ago, had been about why men should have to avoid eye contact with women on the street. 
Um, and the suggestion was there that female or unnecessary, unwarranted, exaggerated female fear was affecting male freedom in our society. Um, and that was just shocking to me. That, that, you know, in companies, this is the conversation. Or in even friendship groups, this is the conversation that men are having again and again and again. And it's like, how do you actually get them to see their own place in that conversation? Because I couldn't, no matter what I said, it was almost like, I, you know, they just couldn't get around to my point of view, which I think is all of our point of view. Um, so I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I don't, I don't know how we're going to get around, get it around to them this year. I think it's very difficult when the entire world has been catered to them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a man's world. It is a man's world. It is a man's world. And even though as black people um, or people of ethnic minority, at least in this country, we are seen as probably a bit less than the white majority. Um, even in that, the men in the various ethnicities or races are still seen higher than the women. Like it caters to them more than it even caters to women. Like women really are at the lower end um, in a sense of um, worse. I would say. And I think when men have always been catered to and the world really speaks to them or thinks about them, it's very difficult for them to now take on that responsibility of actually maybe something is wrong. Maybe you are the issue in something because I, I, I think this is the way I'm starting to think now. No one likes to give up their privilege. No one wants to give up something that is catered towards them. And I think it's going to take us educating ourselves um, and educating men differently because all that's you guys come on you must have seen it when you're growing up in school and the boys are having a laugh and it's okay to slap a girl's bum or they're grabbing a breast um or they're talking about that this girl that they got off with or this or that like it all starts from there like the assault is not the first thing it's all the groping and the comments and the suggestion and the things that they say are cool and the way that these things are set up to allow men to believe that this is normal behaviour, it's boys being boys, it's just the lads. So then when you're starting to correct it now, it's kind of like, well, what's the issue? What's the problem? Like, this has always been kind of part of our life. And so we really have to go back to basics about what is okay and what isn't. And when you look at what's okay and what isn't, a lot of stuff is not okay. A lot of stuff is not okay. And I... And I just feel like even I'm starting to realise that. I mean, I talk very much about um, I May Destroy You, the programme that Michaela Cowell put out, which was absolutely fantastic. See if you haven't. But when I saw the list of things that is sexual assault, I'm just like, so a guy like, you know, grabbing me on like grabbing a body part without my consent, you know, sexual assault. A guy removing a condom um, without a woman's um, um, consent, rape. Like, these are things that I know have happened to women that I know. I know it. They've told me about it. And we're just like, oh, it was uncomfortable. I wasn't happy about it. But, you know, we really need to go back on the education because I don't even think people realise and men realise a lot of the stuff that they're doing is just not okay. And Yes, I think... Oh, go on. No, go, go, go ahead. Now, I was just going to say that sexual assault in the workplace is something that is very important and is kind of... Um, it's addressed more quickly and um, a much better rate than in public. So I think to Anissa's point earlier about, you know, having police presence outside, I don't think that's the solution. I think we need to have better lit areas. Uh, we need to have more CCTV because part of the images, you know, we only saw like one picture of her. 
Um, we also need to take notice of people who are, you know, exposing themselves indecently in the streets and watching them. I think police need to take the claims of women more seriously because from that, uh, I forgot the name of the show now that you just mentioned. I may but destroy on that, you. I may destroy, yes. When she went to the police to make a complaint, they weren't really taking her serious. And I think the problem is people want to report, people are willing to say things, but if we're not taken seriously, it doesn't help us. So I think police need to take this a bit more seriously. So instead of having police on the streets, take the claims of missing people, like who is actually needing help, investigate and put your resources in helping women who've, who've got all these claims, opposed to just putting police presence on the streets, because that's not really helping. I think we need more evidence to show that women are being treated in that way and for women to be treated seriously when they do make any claims. Do you know, even when I was like thinking about this, like talking about the subject with you ladies, like I had to think, do I feel unsafe and walk in the streets at night? And I was just like, no, I feel pretty safe. Like I don't go out at nighttime. And then I had to be like, okay, hold on. That whole comment does not make sense. So if you break that down, I live in an area that is pretty rural. Um, yeah, I live in a rural part, but it's kind of close to, close to the local town or whatever, but it's kind of like off a road and then you're kind of in the country. Um, there's no street lights where I am and I would not be caught out on these streets at nighttime. Like no one would, nobody would be able to see me. No cars, no nothing. There isn't a pavement. It's literally just the road. So you'd be walking along the side of the road. And I remember when I used to live in London a few years ago, like I would come back home late on like weekends or going out with friends and my um, my street, my where, my where my flat was, so should I say, was a 15 minute walk from the station. Um, and it was uphill down some very quiet residential houses. And like, like you, I was very conscious of like, okay, I need to, I can only stay in the light or in the, on the main road for so long before I have to take a detour. And if I had the money, cause it was only black cabs, I'm like, okay, let me take a black cab up. Um, or, you know, let me take the bus up and then walk the back route, which is a bit shorter. And if I can, then maybe I can, like, we are, as I, I feel, let me speak for myself. I feel like you do have that kind of sense of fear and anxiety when you're walking the streets. And I've had to just quieten it to get on with my life because I'm not going to be made to kind of like stay inside, you know, apart from the pandemic, but, and not go out and live my life. But it is a risk that we're told of as women, like, and it's not even just a risk. I'm just very aware that men are physically stronger than us. I'm just, I'm very, I'm very aware of it. And that if a guy really wants to, there's nothing that I can do. Like, I'm sure every single one of you, unless you haven't, or maybe it's just me, like you've kind of play fought with a guy before, you know, like you kind of tussle and you have this thing. And then there can be this moment when they're kind of like, yeah, it's done now. And they'll just hold you. And you're just like, wow, like they're playing with me. I'm not playing with them. They're playing with me. Like they're not putting their full strength on me because if they really wanted to, they could take advantage, but I've been with guys who have who are not those sort of people, and they have chosen not to. But that physical strength of men, like, and I think that's what scares me is that they can overpower us, and there's only so much that we can do. And I think, yeah, it can be a very scary reality being a woman sometimes. Yeah, I, I think I just to oh, agree. Go ahead. Go. Sorry. No, no, go. Oh, no, go. What I was gonna say as well. Like this idea, basically, Sophie, I totally agree with you about, you know, men, even though we don't always realize it, men know they have the power. And so the other day I was saying to some friends, you know, in my area, and in fact, most areas I've ever lived in, like maybe this is a London thing, but especially 
I mean, this is very popular amongst like older men, like sort of in their 50s, but it's every single age group. They do the kissing your teeth as you walk past. And it's the most, I mean, it's, it's irrespective of how attractive or whatever they are, but these are these people in society who like, you know, they live at the fringes kind of vibe. And yet like, that's the piece of power they know they can have over me. They know I'm going to recoil in horror or feel somehow intimidated by them. And so they'll do that. Or another thing that's super popular where I live is just men who have nothing to do just drive around. They drive around in cars playing music and basically shouting at women or beeping at women or like stopping, slowing down as you're walking past. And that is just like an everyday reality of like living in this part of London. And it's only after this whole debate has like literally in the last few days that I've realized that's not normal. Um, and you know, obviously there was that meme going around, which was about text me when you're home. And I was reading, I was initially, I was like, oh gosh, like, I don't know if I'm super interested in this as in the meme, not the, not the story. Um, and then I went through and read sort of description and I was like, wow, what this is saying is actually speaks to me so much, which is about the fact that we have normalized all these different things and the way we behave and the way we walk around the streets. We have normalized fear in a way that it doesn't seem like it seems like it's just a sort of part of the fabric of society rather than something that is a result of a behavior that has been normalized for men towards women. Um, you know, like for example, I know if I walk down the street and maybe there are other issues at play here, but if there are like builders, a building site kind of thing, even though it's very unlikely and nothing will happen, but I know they'll all just look at me because I'm a woman walking alone down that street. And so I'll always cross the road and walk in sort of a different way to kind of avoid the possibility, even though, you know, it also may not happen, but the possibility of any kind of objectification, just even just from sort of them stopping or looking at me or something that I find incredibly embarrassing and humiliating in a way. Um, and as I say, it's only recently as a result of the sort of conversations that have come out of Sarah's murder, that I've realized that these things aren't normal, that they are a result of uh, these other factors. Yeah, and just to even um, jump off the back of you, Nishi, and answer the question that Sophie, I guess, raised about feeling safe walking home. I've never really felt safe walking home, but that's because I have like a hyper paranoia just in general that somebody is going to always do something to me. So I'm always just like on 10 in general. And um, we, me and my friends, like a lot of people here, you know, were the big text me when you get homers, but we also share our locations indefinitely with each other. And we've always done it for years. So at any given time, if I wanted to, I could track where they are and they can track where I am. But that was just born once again, just out of fear. And when like I was younger and I used to go out, um, you know, I've, I've got twins, so usually it's not me walking by myself alone. Um, so there's two of us. So I've never felt completely like threatened in that way. But if, for example, my sister didn't go out with me or she, she didn't come back with me and it was just me, I would then get hyper aware that, oh my gosh, it's just me as a young woman walking in the street. And when I used to live in Peckham, like the street that I lived in Peckham, the lit, it was so badly lit. I was like, yes, yeah, absolutely no way. It was off the main road, but I'd always be like, absolutely no way am I walking down the street. So I wouldn't walk on the pavement on either side of the road. I would walk straight down in the middle of the center of the road where the cars were coming. And so I would weave in and out of the cars because I was not going to either side of the pavement so that any crazy could come and grab me from any corner. I would walk specifically in the middle of traffic just so that I could be around light 
and be seen before I can hop into my house. And then it was just like, when you think about it, you think, do you know how crazy that sounds? That you were walking in the middle of traffic just so that um, nobody would grab you and all those, all those kind of things. But you're just hyper aware as a woman that at any point, somebody could come and take advantage of you. And me and my friends are talking about it. No matter if my location is being shared with all of them, no matter if I say I'm going to text someone to get home or do all these things, you know, all it takes is someone to do a very quick moment or to take my phone out of my hand and for them to be able to take advantage of me and, um, and I'm left defenseless. So the question isn't really for me. It's like, how can I defend myself? It's really like, can people stop doing things where I would need to defend myself, you know? Um, so it's a very... It's, it's very very conscious of that, yeah. Yeah, I would say, like, I, I wish we all lived in the perfect world, but I know that we don't, and we have to, you know, I think safety is one of the most important parts of being a human. And um, personally, I've taken, like, self-defense classes, um, rape prevention classes, not that it prevents you from being raped in an occasion, but it gives you some skills that are useful. So I really like watching thriller movies or true movies about, you know, awful things that have happened to people. But I always look at those movies as a lesson, and I'm like, what would I do if I was in that situation? And I think the onus of the safety of women is not on women, but if we do get into that situation, I think it's important to be prepared just in case. So I remember when I was uh, at uni, I was going home after the clubs by myself. I would always have like, you know, something on me so that if anyone attacked me or anyone came too close or was uncomfortable, I could defend myself. So there's an element of having to be prepared to protect yourself, but also we should have the liberty to be safe on the streets wherever we go. But unfortunately, we have to have that balance and just keep in mind that you know we're always at risk no matter what. Yeah, I, think I do think really, it's a really good point that you. I think that's a really um, good point that you made there, Tatiana. I do feel um, like it's not even. I also agree. Like I think that was a really good point, and I think it's almost like it's not just in like public spaces though you know there is this thing that you're saying that you um take something with you that you'd feel a bit safer for example and i think about times when i've been on my way home but in an uber or a taxi and i've also been made to feel in some way unsafe because it's when a man is alone in like a um you know private contained space with somebody and i think often like that dynamic is as strange like the power dynamic is still there even though like they're the uber driver they're supposed to protect you and take you home um and like within that context i can think of two times so one was about a year ago when i um was on the way home in an uber and the guy tried to he he said to me that if you cancel the journey i will um, drive you home the rest of the way for free and so i like, I stupidly said yes. I mean, thankfully, like, this story has a happy ending. But then he's like, all right, why don't we just drive around London for the evening and I'll buy us, like, snacks and whatever. And I was like, no, 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 like, I need to go home. And he said, come, like, sit in the front with me. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to obviously come and sit in the front with you. And, like, obviously, then I said, okay, you know, I've shared my journey with my friends or whatever, and he drove me back home. But that, again, like, thankfully, as I say, nothing happened. But the fact that that would even cross somebody's mind like, clearly there was something sinister at play that I don't think I even really realised at the time. Mm. And the second time, uh, again, I was on my way home. I had left a friend's house and my phone had died. And so they had ordered me an Uber on their phone. Yeah. And um, so I was standing outside their house, which was on a residential street, and they were in their house um, and there was no traffic. And then suddenly the car, um, the Uber, uh, drove past, waved at me and stopped. So obviously I assumed it must be the Uber. 
Um, and so I get into the Uber and then suddenly, like, you know, driving. And I live, I've always lived in northwest London, pretty much. And suddenly I realized that we just passed a Vauxhall station. So South London. And yeah. I was like, wait a second. And I was like, are you the Uber driver? And because obviously my phone was dead. And he's like, no. And I was like, why are you driving me around? Like, where are you driving me to? And he's like, well, you got in the car. And I was like, this is just so, like, this whole situation is just mind-boggling. Anyway, I got him to stop the car, obviously. Thankfully, he finally did. And I paid him, again, bizarrely, to take me, to drive me home, even though just a random man in the car. Um, but, like, that, again, is the same thing. Like, a woman wouldn't do that. It's that thing where I feel like men often flirt with the idea of doing something, even if they don't do it. Like, I think they... Again, not all men to use the hashtag I'm very against and the movement I'm against. And of course, as I say, I mean, it's like not, this isn't, doesn't apply to all men. But the fact that in two of those instances, I don't think either of those men would have woken up that morning and thought, God, I'm going to do something terrible that day. And obviously they didn't. But the fact that they both kind of flirted with that idea or even went as far as they did, I think there is always that thing when you know you're in control and the other person is weaker than you and a woman if you're a man, um, where that could happen. Um, and, you know, two very different scenarios, but they did really make me think. I think those stories are harrowing, and I think I'm so glad that you're safe, and I Same. think you need to drive. And I think you need to stop. <laughs> Do you trust me behind it with wheels? Yeah, I think it's safer, yeah, from what you said, I think it's safer. All right, guys, yeah. so... Oops, sorry. Um, thank you for watching and listening to episode 54 of Ethnically Speaking. But let's not end the conversation there. If you have experiences you want to share or views about how we might be able to make women feel safer in public places, or even if you're a defender of hashtag not all men, please let us know in the comments below and tell us what we're missing and how to enrich our, our worldviews. If you want even more from us, um, there's a link in the description below to Extra Ethnic, our weekly newsletter, and sign up there for even more content from, from the rest of the team. For a recap of everything we've discussed today, um, you can head over to unitedmelanin.com forward slash ES054 and that has a summary of all the big issues and questions we've spoken about in this episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, please don't forget to like, subscribe and most importantly, hit that notification bell so that you never miss an episode. We'll be back soon, but until then, please remember to wash your hands, wear your mask, keep your distance, and stay safe.